Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. We are back with another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry uh, talking about the greatest movies in history and what's out today. And a lot to discuss this week as we uh, we look towards Brad Pitt movies later on in the show. But, you know, we had a couple of uh, passings this past week. And Chuck and I wanted to discuss these two lovely ladies that were in cinema for, you know, a large part of our lives that uh, died earlier this week and uh, we missed last week. So we've got lots to discuss as far as movie news goes as well. Uh, Chuck Curry, we bring him in right now, Chuck. And let's start right off the bat um, here because you and I both had a fondness for Anne Heche um, who recently passed after getting in a car crash, uh, a fiery car crash. And it looked like she was, she's been brain dead for the last week and they finally have decided to let her go. And she passes on and, she she was like a comet, Chuck. She had a brief, maybe three or four year rise to the top and and uh, and then an unfortunate I, I don't even want to call it scandal. She just fell in love with Ellen DeGeneres and her career kind of got sidetracked where if that happened nowadays, she probably would have become a bigger star back when it happened. What? Fifteen years ago, uh, it kind of derailed her career because she was just about to release seven days and six nights with Harrison Ford. And the right. rest is unfortunate history. But up until that moment, she had a really brief rise to the top, including some great roles in um, Volcano. Um, of course, the the aforementioned Six Days, Seven Nights. That's a that's a decent movie. Um, yes, and Donnie is. Brasco, she's fantastic in Donnie Brasco. She's had a she had a really good maybe by five or six real good uh, film roles. She did. I mean, uh, Volcano is, uh, you know, a, a big budget disaster movie came out the same year. Is Dante's Peak in uh, 1997. I do a Donnie Brasco. If, if you want to say what's the best film she's ever been attached to, probably would be that playing the uh, wife of uh, Johnny Depp in that movie. She has a few really good scene, uh, sequences in that film. And uh, and the Harrison Ford movie, which really was the pinnacle of her rise in potential stardom in the industry. I thought she was really good in that film. She had a good look. She was unique. Yep. Uh, obviously, off screen, she was pretty quirky and trouble to say the least uh it is a tragic death because in, in let's be blunt it was for the most part self-induced which makes it more horrifying and sad uh she does leave behind a 13 year old uh i don't know if it was a boy or girl uh i know she had a kid 13 years old too, 20 and 13 which is really sad and 53 years old is way way too young she still had a lot to give yeah, the Ellen DeGeneres uh, relationship at that time was an interesting time in, in this country. And a lot of people really did turn on her. You know, the industry still uh, set in a way where the studio heads do look at certain people uh, in the way the public perception would be. And I'll give you an equivalent. See, uh, if an actor, let's say, was gay and uh, was up for the role of James Bond, the odds of get, of him getting that role would probably be nil. Would you would yep. you say that's an accurate yep. statement? That is true, yep. So they looked at Anne Heche as, okay, she's got this big movie, she's a female lead in a love story opposite Harrison Ford, and now she comes out uh, in a lesbian relationship with Ellen DeGeneres, and then the studio, and I think the industry started to say, ah, you know, can't put her in all these uh, female-oriented uh, love stories with men, which is pathetic, but... Uh, that's the way things rolled at least 15 years ago. 
kind of owe her a big apology after that. And she did, you know, remember she took on the Janet Lee role in the remake of Psycho too. That was a pretty big deal right around the time. It was. It, well. it was. It's an interesting film because you know, until you mentioned that, I, I sort of forgot about that uh, Gus Van Sant's uh, word for word remake. It's not a bad movie. It's just an unnecessary one. Vince Vaughn is Norman Bates, but yeah, she got the Janet Lee role, which is a good role if you think about it. It just the the, the overall project didn't materialize into what they wanted it to be, but uh, is what it is. A lot of great stuff on TV too. She uh, Chicago PD for a little bit. She was uh, in a couple of a decent series, and she got a lot uh, interesting enough in the can too, Chuck. So um, we'll see how those things get released. A real sad, sad yes, story. Very sad. I um, agree. And I remember seeing her probably the first time I remember was in that piece of crap. The juror movie with Demi Moore and uh, Alec Baldwin. She plays Demi Moore's friend in that and really uh, a gruesome the murder that uh, Alec Baldwin does to her. Um, she's also in your favorite movie of all time. And that's Milk Money. So. Um, oh, OK. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say I didn't remember her in 79 Beyond the Beside Adventure. No, right? not in okay. that one. Not in that Mike's one. Mike's being and, funny for people. I, I, you know, Milk Money is an ongoing joke we have. Okay. Um, uh, and then we earlier this week, uh, really an, uh, an, uh, an icon in both film and music. Olivia Newton-John passes away, too, after a long battle with breast cancer. And for a lot of people, including myself, really, your first crush on the big screen is Sandra D in Greece. Now, her uh, music career is a lot better, obviously, than her, than her film career. Um, you know, I, Xanadu, although now a cult classic was yeah, it's cult classic was a cult panned episodes cult. Yeah. And uh, and a twist of fate she did with. um john travolta again which was a which was a bomb as well but yeah there's no doubt the the um the hold she has on america cinema with that role in greece chuck oh no doubt i mean listen all you have to do is one iconic movie and you stand the test of time and obviously greece from 78 was the number one grossing film of that year john travolta who was i think five or six years younger than olivia newton john picked her uh to play sandy had a lot of clout in the industry after saturday night fever uh it, it it was really good casting because she was a perfect San, uh she was a perfect Sandy. Uh, Sandy in that in that movie and you know at the end in the last uh, act when she pops up dressed you know it looks pretty hot uh, it is a really cool transformation and that transformation really transformed her career because she went from really known for doing some country to a pop culture sex uh uh. Yeah. Uh, very yes, popular, very, very yeah, popular, yeah. You know, very sexy. And, and and she had a good look. And I did not realize that she sold over 100 million uh, records. I mean, that is quite an accomplishment. And if you look at uh, what's interesting, I, I was giving some thought to this after her passing in 83, when she did uh, Two of a Kind with John Travolta, you have to think that they had a plum amount of good scripts to pick. And they yeah. wound up picking that script. And that script's pretty, you know, awful. Although, you know, her chemistry with him is still good in the film and they have one song uh twist of fate. fate it's a good yeah. song it's a yeah. good pop entertaining song but the movie sort of wears wears out its welcome because it's uh pr pretty silly stuff but you know she's a very very likable person yeah they both are very likable on screen and a lot of sex appeal in xanadu although I, I am a fan of that movie and some of the music on it with elo um and and of course physical she was the part of the boom yes. of the of the videos as well big and time that, big time big time part of it and and, and we lost a 
definitely lost an icon there, Chuck. And and in a smaller note, you know, both of you and I are both Magnum PI fans in the passing of TC, you know, yeah. this week as well. They say they come in threes. I mean, TC, Roger E. Mosley, not much of a film career, but boy, uh, again, you say you said it. If you do one iconic thing and um, people you're will remembered. recognize you, you'll, you're remembered. And he's definitely remembered for that role. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Chuck, let's talk some movie news here. Some interesting thing coming down the pike. Now, the big stir a couple of weeks ago when we didn't do a show, let's talk about it now because I did yeah. notice that Disney Plus and Hulu, they're going to increase their prices. And in fact, there's going to be a cheaper Disney Plus coming with ads um, that you can uh, opt in for. And this is just the ongoing tumult that's going on right now with streaming services led by the fact that Warner Brothers and HBO Max really took it in between the in the groin. Let's put it this way with the uh, dumping of Batgirl. What's the latest on what you're hearing about Batgirl? And I know Kevin uh, Kevin Teague supported the fact that these directors just said we're not going to release it. Uh, will we ever see this movie? Yeah, it's a good question. Here's the thing. There, there's this whole story. There's pros and cons to it. Obviously, let me get to the pros before I get to the cons. The pros is that this CEO uh of of warner brothers who was who was running the show with disney plus uh discovery plus who have bought warner brothers and swallowed up the studio in total control now the plus is that he is he says in the press conference press release of their quarterly report that they are fully committed to the theatrical brand meaning and i believe it because they had a, the old regime had put in a rule that they were going to do uh theatrical when they did theatrical they were going to have their movie on HBO Max within 45 days, sometimes the same day or at least 45 days out. So Elvis was scheduled to go on HBO Max this week, 45 day notice. And he said, no, it's doing well in theaters. We're scrapping that idea. Now, the whole idea with Batgirl is it was a originally a $70 million production. Uh, this actress, Leslie Grace, who was in the movie Into the Heights, a lot of notoriety, which is an HBO Max film, did very well. Uh, she was the star as Batgirl. Michael Keaton was brought in to play uh, Batman uh, from the 80s Burton uh, lore and uh, the budget went and um, the, so the budget goes up to 90 million dollars and the old regime was saying okay we're probably going to make this a theatrical release because anything over uh, 70 million will put in theaters this guy comes in with a hatchet starts cost cutting all over the place and deems that Batgirl uh, due to it one test screening one test screening was not what the studio wanted in terms of the product uh, brand building. And there was a, a loophole in there. If they would have made, if they make this decision by August 15th to take $90 million off their books with a merger, it has to be a merger rule. So since discovery plus merged with Warner brothers, they had this loophole, which took 90, took my $90 million off the books. Now, having said that, what what did they sacrifice? Here's what they sacrificed. They sacrificed working relationships with actors, with directors. Now, these two directors did Bad Boys for Life, which was yep. well-received. It made money, right? Yep. They did a few episodes of Miss Marvel at Disney+, Plus, which by all accounts were well-received. Well In between the lines, and from what, I've, from what I've read, and I've read a lot about this, through sources that I think are accurate, I do believe this movie was bad. That's my opinion. Based on, I think, an article in Variety, which is a major trade, and I think the rap, the people who did see the test screen said that this movie was bad, and one said unredeemable. Wow. Now, if that's if that's accurate, I get why he did it. It's still sort of a painful pill to swallow for fans and the people, obviously, who worked on the movie, 
Leslie Grace being the, the main one. And, you know, Kevin Smith came out with a comment that he feels it's a very bad look because the lead actress was a Latina. And that's not good business. Having said that, if the movie was legitimately not good, it shouldn't I matter what her nationality I, is. I, I, I yeah. do it right. I agree. Uh, it doesn't matter. And I sort of understand why they would go in this direction if it truly was. Uh, and Brenda Fraser was Firefly, the villain. And the movie. he reportedly in test screenings got good notices. Uh, I, I'd love to see the product, obviously. I mean, I'm very curious. And I remember when we were a lot younger, I don't know if you remember when Roger Corman did a, fan, a production company. I think they did a cheapo version of Fantastic Four yeah. that was never released in theaters. And then when when went to a trade show, it was selling a bootleg at stands. So uh, I don't I don't think this is ever going to see the light of day because I think once you make that creative accounting decision, you can't release it in any format. I think that is the rule. Uh, but it the is ironic a thing, Chuck. Situation. The ironic yep. thing that I heard about this film and the test screening is that it got similar scores to Shazam two. And there's yeah, no- and, and black and black Adam, and I'll tell you why. Because when they do these test screenings, the initial ones, okay, they don't have finished special effects, and right. they re- and they test screened it, Mike, without a fi- without much of a working score. And you know how important a score is to a film, of course. Of course. So it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a bland look. So getting a score in the '60s is actually quite normal. Now, uh, Kevin Smith said, and I, it is, I mean, and and it is perplexing because these directors obviously did a good job on bad boys for life. He said, I doubt this movie's really that bad. So we're, we're probably never going to know. Now here's the other problem uh, that's been a major story in the last couple of weeks is Ezra Miller. Now Ezra Miller is the star of the flash, the mm-hmm. flash movie, which is in the can was supposed to come out in November. Now coming out next March had really good test screenings, really good. And that co-stars Michael Keaton again is Batman. So, uh, the question is now they this uh, in a Hollywood Reporter came out with a story which is again accurate. Warner Brothers is debating three scenarios. They do want to release it with with they the best scenario is they release it. He does press. That's unlikely unless he gets completely uh, mental help and detoxed. Whatever's going on with Good him. Luck second, with that. It, second is they release it and he does almost no no press. At which I think what will happen. And the third is they they cancel a movie like like Batgirl, but they're not going to cancel uh, now upward a $200 million film. Uh, it would be hard a hard pill to swallow for any studio to swallow $200 million. But the question is, what's going on with this guy? Why is he so crazy? And boy, I wouldn't want to be in position Warner Brothers because it is hard to market a movie where your lead actor in the star who is The Flash can't appear on a talk show, can't do press, you're embarrassed to, to cut trailers featuring him uh, as Barry Allen, right? Because you don't want to show his face because it yeah. makes people, oh, that's Ezra, that's that's that kook, Ezra Miller. Having said that, I, I'm going to see that movie. Like, I'm not like, like, he didn't kill people. Like, he didn't right. kill people. Like, he didn't, he, you know, unless I, I, it's not going to, it's not going to bother me from seeing the movie. I say just in the last act, since it's a multiverse, just, uh, have the Flash go into another multiverse and come out as a different actor, right? Do that very that's easily. Yes. Yeah, I'm, assu- I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. I wonder, Chuck. Much like you know, I wonder how much casting directors, studios, di- d- regular directors, producers, Background how checks. much vetting is going on mm-hmm. with these actors when you're hiring them or when you're casting them. I mean, yeah, they can I, they can audition great and they're perfect for the role and all that stuff. But do they then turn around and say, all right, let's check that they're going to have to start doing that. Let's check into the background of some of these people, whether it's an old I tweet think, or a, a yeah. or something as extreme as this, too. I'm assuming they're doing a little bit more and they will do a little bit more of that. 
Uh, I think that's why a lot of directors work with the same actors all the time because it's a comfort zone. Uh, same as the actor with the director, you know what you're getting into. Uh, obviously this is a rare circumstance. I mean, there's been actors and actresses with a lot of troubles, you know, they've had alcoholism and, and drug, drug addiction. And, uh, and they, some, some have not bounced back. Some have bounced back. This guy, Ezra Miller, this is a weird scenario because it appears that he does have some sort of mental illness that he's just not right, uh, as a functioning human being, because very few people get the opportunity and the fortune that he has gotten, uh, to play a superhero where you can make millions of dollars and be set and, and have your family set for the rest of your life. And yeah. you appear to literally, uh, piss it away. Why would you do that? If it's, you're normal, it's crazy or it's, remotely normal, um, or even a little normal. <laughs> All we need is a little normal. I mean, because let's face it, uh, most of the uh, actors and actresses in, in uh, Los Angeles are not as normal as, as we are. So no, no, I mean, listen, now, here's the thing. If you, if you ever watch Johnny Depp or Robert De Niro on the talk show, you realize this, these are quirky people. A lot yeah, of them. They're a little, you know, well, look at, look at yeah. guy like, and you just watch this documentary. Look at a guy like army hammer, right? There's another one that had everything handed to him. He was going to play the yeah, Lone Ranger. That's, that's another story. Uh, Discovery plus is going to come out with a, a documentary, which is going to air very soon called house of hammer. It's going to focus on the hammer, uh, the hammer family and, they're very wealthy people, and Army Hammer is the front and center here in this documentary. And they bring two two young women on who had relationships with him. He was married, and talk about all his uh, massive uh, quirks, sexual quirks, and and then what got Army Hammer, uh, you know, basically imploded his career. Maybe probably for good is that even though some of the things he says are dark, and a lot of people have dark thoughts. There's no doubt about that. But drinking blood and wanting to eat people literally. Um, <laughs> You know, some people let spooks a little, and, and now uh, he's, and now he's selling timeshares in Aruba, which is yeah. A, and here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the culture now. You know, pre-internet, you did stuff. Eventually, it went away. They built you back up. Now, yeah. there's people every morning when you wake up. There's people with logs in their hand waiting to throw your 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 baggage of your life into the into the fireplace. And uh, as long as you have that. These things, these these fires burn a very very long time, and you know we're living in an age with whether we agree or not. The reality is this Me Too movement and uh, woke is is very real. I mean, I'm not a big fan of of some of it. Some of it, I say, okay, I understand some of it. Some of it, I don't understand. I think it's way too much. But um, uh, it, it's a much harder to recover than it was, say, uh, 15, Absolutely. 20 years ago. Absolutely. You know? Uh, Chuck, uh, let's get to other movie news. Uh, one that really uh, raised an eyebrow for me where I'm got kind of got a little excited about it and just heard word that they're going to make a, a the production has started on a film version of the TV series, The Fall Guy. I saw that. And then and it, what's interesting is not that because it's a good subject. He's a he's a stunt Hollywood stuntman who moonlights as a bounty hunter. I was a fan of the Lee Majors show, but the casting yeah. is pretty impressive. They're going to get Ryan yeah, Gosling good. to play. Uh, Colt Seavers and and yeah. Emily Blunt's on the cast in the cast as well. Is she is she in the Heather Thomas role? I don't know. It doesn't say what she's going to be cast as. So, um, uh, Gosling as Colt Seavers that's a pretty good casting, if you ask me. Yeah, it's good casting, but again, is orig originality. Uh, not a lot of it in the industry. They keep searching for properties that they could uh, regurgitate somehow to put on the big screen. But this is a, this fits the bill. I mean, uh, I'm sure it'll be a good project. The question is what took so long, right? It came out in 81. Yeah, and it's, a, it's a decent uh, property. Uh, mm -hmm. 
And uh, I was, yeah, I was a big fan of that show uh, and Lee Majors for, and, and for that matter. Yeah, and another listen, we grew up on the $6 million man, sure. you know, they talked about a $6 billion man with Mark Wahlberg for years. Uh, it never really got past the, uh, the, uh, the, the scripting stage never materialized into full, full, full blown development. But I don't know, you know, with all the technology and you've done Terminator death would $6 million man work. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, one more note here from me. Uh, looks like they're going to do another reimagining Sony of the Karate Kid. Uh, casting has begun. Sure. Um, why not? Right? I don't know. You tell me why. Well, it was, it was 2010. They did Jada Pinkett. Right? Was the the was that 10? Yeah, it was 2010. They did that one. I, no, not Jada. Not Jada Pinkett. Uh, this this uh, the son. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, I actually thought. I, listen, I actually thought that's a good film. It wasn't and, bad. Uh, no, it wasn't bad. And, and I actually thought Jackie Chan did a fantastic job uh, as Mr. Han, which is a reimagining of Mr. Miyaga, Miyagi. I, I thought it was a, a solid. I thought it was a solid movie. They talked about a sequel the last few the, in the you know couple years following that film, but it never happened. So not going to see that. I guess they feel it's a viable property uh, with, with the success of Cobra Kai, and those movies radiate still generationally, uh, especially the first film from nineteen. Uh, 84. One other bit of news, Lady Gaga has officially signed on to play Harley Quinn in Joker 2 opposite Joaquin Phoenix. They still say uh, well, it's going to be set in Arkham Asylum and uh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of musical elements to this film. I guess since it's set in Arkham, I, I get sort of the mindset. Why, I mean, it is bizarre. Like when I first heard it, I was like, are you kidding me? But I guess the more I think about it, you probably could do a few musical segments and, and have it be you know, pretty out there and entertaining it will be a, a very uh a very uh, highly anticipated project comes out october 4th 2024 i got one more thing in the top well, zazie beats is back in that too right she's yeah. back in yeah. she's good in the first i liked her in the first one actually i did too i liked her a lot she was the uh, room of uh, the uh the uh the young love woman quote unquote love interest it. yeah yeah whether it was real or not uh yeah. in his head but here's the thing i i just read um a thing on the internet it was an article about halloween ends and they've done some test screenings. Now, this guy in this article writes that the test screening that he got privy to went horribly. And he I'm not going to give away spoilers, but there's things in this movie, if this is accurate, and I believe it to be accurate, where they completely go against a, a public or fan based expectations. And they have a, have a storyline in this movie that is going to, I think, infuriate fans and uh, it's going to spread really bad word of mouth very very quickly, if this is accurate from what I read. Um, uh, the amount of screen time Jamie Lee Curtis gets in this movie, it's not what people are going to want. The What they do with Michael Myers is not going to be what people want. If Again, if this is true, but if it is true, uh, I scratch my head and I'm well, perplexed why you would give people something they uh, don't want. It makes you wonder too when these two people uh, the, 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 they picked up the property of this movie and decided to reboot it and do it all David over. Allen. David, David Allen Gordon, Gordon, Gordon and Danny yeah. McBride, David, right? No, David Gordon Green. David Gordon uh, Green and, David. and and now he has access to the Exorcist franchise. They gave well, him the access to the Exorcist franchise. So if it completely goes off the rails and and what you're teasing here, and, and was this mm -hmm. the direction they wanted to go from the get go? And they's got. I the can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I just think I don't know if it has something to do with Jamie Lee Curtis uh, not wanting to be. Uh, much of a part of these these last two entries i don't it makes no sense to me yeah uh like why would you why, why would you get her back to do this trilogy and not do something big and sophisticated and more mature uh but 
you know, people are probably speculating, listening, what, what is he, what is he talking about? But, uh, just as a tease, according to the spoiler, the Michael Myers character itself will not be a major part of this movie. What the hell are we talking about here? I mean, I, before I get too frustrated, well, let's move on because I'm, I'm fuming inside Chuck. Let's look. <laughs> we're going to look at Brad Pitt later on. Um, not many movies get released this weekend. A thriller called fall, which is about two women on top of a huge tower, which I, I don't know who, who, who that appeals to, but bullet oh, train. I wanna, can I, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Uh, I got a chance to watch pray. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Hold on. Let me just, okay. before we get sure. to that, I, I just wanted to, to, to discuss the bullet train from a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, and it's performance at the box office. Pretty solid. Um, yeah. I'm 30 million for a Brad Pitt led movie. For an action film. That's, that's, that's uh, not stupendous, but it's solid. It's pretty solid. And then, you know, uh, not much else is going to come out next week. will be interesting with beast, um, coming out and hitting theaters is getting a little bit of a marketing push on, mm-hmm. on t- TV, but uh, nothing yeah. spectacular, but it's a basically jaws on a safari with Idris yeah. Elba. Yeah. Um, which looks, you know, my daughter even said she kind of wants to see it. So we'll okay. see if it gets anywhere. But yeah, we, you and I wanted to discuss since we weren't around last week. We both saw movies that, you know, were probably better than average. Mine, the one I saw is actually one of the best movies I've seen this year. And I, you wanted to bring up Prey, uh, the prequel to The Predator, the, uh, you know, the origin story, basically, of the Predator series. And it's getting some good buzz. Even Jesse the Body Ventura and Bill Duke liked it a lot from the original Predator. And I know you did, too. Yeah, I mean, you know why? Because it gets back to the roots of the 87 film. It's directed by Dan Trackenberg. It's on Hulu exclusively. And mm-hmm. I actually bought Hulu to watch this movie. So uh, it's directed by Dan Trackenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane uh, with John Goodman. That's a really good uh, sequel to to, uh, to Cloverfield, even though it wasn't originally conceived as a sequel to Cloverfield. But they just attached elements and made, made it one. Good movie. Here goes back to the roots. It's simple, sort of simple, stupid. It takes place in the 1700s of Native American Indians and the Predator's first forte into hunting on Earth. The effects are re- actually really good. The The second half of this movie, movie ratchets up the suspense. The gore is really there. Uh, it's exciting. And here's what makes this movie fly. And I don't want to oversell it, but it is solid. And I mean, it is very solid for a Predator movie. Uh, this young actress who's 25 years old. Her name is Amber Midthunder. She's a Native American uh, uh, Indian actress. I think, Mike, she is just a star-making turn by this girl. I think she is. she's the juice of this movie. She does a great job. I, it is apparent she took really good direction from this director. Uh, this is a solid movie. A few of the CGI scenes are a little shaky. There's a CGI bear, which you could tell is, is somewhat CGI'd in certain sequences, but the Predator itself, awesome. The kills, awesome. The suspense, awesome. You getting involved with her character, awesome. I give this movie an eight out of ten. I really liked it. I love the original. Uh, I'm a I'm a pretty solid fan of the sequel with Danny Glover. Everything that came after, uh, mixed to misfire at best. This got me excited to see what they could do going forward in the Predator universe. And I actually would like to see Hulu put this movie in theaters for a couple weeks because uh, it'd be a good watch on the movie screen. You think uh, you think uh, Fox had some with uh, had some uh, regrets the way they released this a release. Yeah, regrets? I, think, I think I think the once they once they realized because it was Hulu's most watched premiere ever, either TV or a movie. OK, so I think 
this decision was made post, you know, COVID where, okay, everything's streaming, everything's streaming. Okay. What do we need content on Hulu? Okay. Let's do a predator movie, hire a director who has some ability. I don't think they realize what kind of product they would make that you would do something this solid, but, um, you know, in retrospect, they, they could have made money here uh, with a theatrical release, but it gets them a lot of nods and a lot of publicity and a lot of subscribership on, on Hulu. So it is owned by, by Disney Hulu. So they got the pockets deep enough to, uh, to experiment so but it's a good film if you like the predator franchise and you got soured on it over the last five installments and deservingly so to an extent this one's a good one and uh i got a chance to see 13 lives directed by ron oh, cool. howard about the uh 13 haitian uh soccer team uh boys that were stuck in the caves uh in thailand not haitian a uh, thailand and uh i gotta tell you chuck i was really impressed well here's why you you got ron howard as director Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, and Joel Edgerton as your lead stars here. I mean, does it get more professional in movies than these four guys uh, making sure that this film's in good hands and it's suspenseful? You'd think, uh, you know, the divers had to, these three volunteer divers had to go and find these kids in the caves. So there's a lot of underwater scenes in tight corners. So it's very claustrophobic, which might actually work better on the smaller screen than the bigger screen. Um, and, and every time I see Viggo Mortensen, Chuck, to me, it's one of the biggest head scratching careers of all time. Um, he's one of our best actors, bar none. He, he just doesn't work enough, and when he does, I mean, I, but I think that's his choice. Yeah, I, it, I don't, I don't, I don't think casting directors don't want him. Right? He's just no, I, I agree. I agree. Sporadically, yeah. I agree. And, uh, you know, the, you saw Green Book. I mean, whenever he's in one of these higher profile movies, he always comes shines. Um, he's been multi nominated. And Colin Farrell's very good in this, too. He plays more of an everyday man um, than he normally would. And I've always been a Joel Edgerton fan. There's lots of suspense. Um, it, it plays as a documentary. There's, you know, it pulls no punches. It's good stuff, Chuck. And, you know, uh, I, I highly recommend it for people. And, you know, it's one of those movies. If Ron Howard releases this 25 years ago, it's in the theaters and it's a big deal following oh. Apollo 13. Now, uh, you know, his career is different, uh, and, and, but but that but his skills have not, you know, no, I get away. it. I get it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Ron, directed by Ron Howard, it uh, carries you're right. and little weight it doesn't carry to say doesn't carry the same cloud and weight that it would uh, in his heyday. You know, and he's an Academy Award winning I, director I know. above the title. And it just is like, OK uh whatever um but it's really good it's a real good flick um and and we'll see what happens chuck you know before we do fast five and normally i ask you to to tell me uh, i'm gonna tell me a date we'll go back to that date and we'll talk about the movies released i'm gonna bypass that and go to a specific date because et is being re-released in theaters this weekend on imax um 40 years ago Friday the 13th part three, Chuck, and it got released on my birthday. And then it started all these 3D movies that came out. Uh, do you remember the Schlockfest 3D movies of the early I 80s? I, I do. I, I certainly do. Um, I remember Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 5. It was at the end. They said, put your glasses on. Now, I don't remember Friday 13th 3, 3D was how much of the movie was in 3D? The it's whole all movie 3D. Or- it's all. Oh, yeah, 3D. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's it's really good. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was released. Uh, uh, you know, I thought it was one of the better of the series uh, released August 13th, 1982. And it it uh, it, it first one with the mask. Right. It's iconic. First one with the mask. And 
Chuck, I think this got some good kills, some good characters. Uh, and, you know, the other 3D movies, then we started seeing Jaws 3D, right? Uh, that came mm-hmm. out. I remember coming at you and uh, things of really schlock fest movies that were getting released that were, you know, and, and the 3D back then, let's face it, I know you hated it recently, but the 3D back then was really headache inducing and bad. Well, yeah, listen, I don't listen. I think the 3D in Avatar was amazing. I just don't want to watch two hour movies fully in 3D because I do think for me, the way my brain works, at least because I can't speak for other people because I only have my own brain, is that it takes away from me following the story. Like, I want to get involved in the story. If, if my brain is focused, almost like the, the 3D glass, it almost worked like a drug, right? So you're just enveloped in visual. And yeah, the visual is, in, some of it's incredible. But like, when I remember when Avatar ended, I didn't remember what the movie was. I just remembered the visuals. I had to go back and watch it on Blu-ray to really understand that it's a mediocre story. And the uh, the what it did do, it it upended E.T. E.T. did come out in May, but it was the first movie that was number one besides E.T. And yeah. then, you know, it's the second highest grossing horror movie in 1982 uh, behind only Poltergeist. So Got it. this was basically the heyday of the Friday the 13th series. It really kicked off. And then the next two or three did well. And then it kind of as far as box office receipts, it never really made it made it ended up making thirty six point seven million dollars at the box office but it only cost two and a half million to make chuck so that's why they were making these kind of movies and that's why it was considered a successful franchise a hundred percent all right chuck before we get to brad pitt he's got bullet train number one at the box office right now and he's coming off an oscar win a couple years ago let's do a a fast five weekend uh edition here we give you five actors or actresses or even directors in this list and you tell me the first movie that comes to mind. Uh, and all these people share a birthday with me this weekend, Chuck. So that's exciting. Um, but you don't have to do fast five for me. Let's no, do it. First yeah. off, what's that? Birthdays this weekend? Yeah, my birthday's this weekend. I was not no, happy birthday. I was not Thank notified. That was like a sneak attack. Was that like a subtle like? I'm surprised it's just not on your calendar every year, really? just ready to send you my gift, my gift to me. So uh Chuck, let's start with Alfred Hitchcock, who would have been uh well he would have been quite old he died at 80 in 1980 so i guess i would have made him 122 years old this weekend alfred hitchcock he would have been up there it's the birds i mean that's my favorite uh like if you ask and i mean i like a lot of his stuff that's a uh, rare window but if you ask me like one film to watch in a movie theater with a crowd it would be the birds i like the birds i'm uh i'm a fan of vertigo myself uh i mean how you can't go wrong you pick any of his Uh, movies psycho Question, um, have you ever seen, not a revival in a first run, have you ever seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie in a movie theater? I have not. No, I wasn't. I uh, did actually Family Plot when I was a little kid. Uh, my mother took me to see that one. Yeah, that came out in 1976. That was his last release, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, Bruce Dern. Uh, Halle Berry. Uh, happy birthday to Halle Berry. She's 56 years old, believe it or not. Um, what do you think of when you think of Halle Berry? I'm going to tell you something. The other night, I'm at home late at night. I'm, I'm changing the channels. And on, I think it was a Paramount Plus, not Paramount Plus, but the Paramount Network on, on basic cable. John Wick 3 was on, right? So I'm watching a scene with her and Keanu Reeves. It's a gunfight and there's dogs involved. And I'm saying to myself, how in the world did they choreograph that? Did you? I mean, that stuff was unbelievable. Executive decision I like a lot with her and uh, and, uh Kurt Russell. I mean, yep. she's done. She's done a lot of good work. She's 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 a good uh, 
She's a good, it would not be New Year's Eve with the, the Gary Marshall movie. No. It would not be that one. No. But, uh, but anyway, I, like, I, I, John Wick 3, she was really good in that. And um, do, do, that some of the best fight sequences I think ever filmed in the John Wick movies, no? Uh, I didn't see uh, Wick 3, uh, but I'll take your word for it. I, okay, I did, take my word. Take my word. I did like her in uh, as a Bond girl. I thought she was good in in that Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were rumors that she'd get her own spinoff that never came to bay. But I also liked her in a movie that should have been worse than it was. That movie Kidnapped, it came out about five years ago where her kid gets swiped and she chases down the abductor. Yeah. That's actually uh-huh. a pretty decent movie. for. Yeah, it's a decent thriller. For a decent uh, for a B uh, action movie, I think it was actually pretty good, and she gets a lot of credit for that. Um, all right, Chuck, how about um, Steve Martin? Say, shares a birthday with me. Guy's been around forever. To me, you can't like Parenthood and Father the Bride. I mean, that is the wheelhouse of Steve Martin. I agree. I agree. I think Parenthood. To me, Parenthood is a is a ten out of ten four star movie. I love Parenthood. Great script. Great cast. And that sequence when he's on the baseball field. When his kid, yeah. when his kid, his makes, kid the makes the catch, yeah. Oh my god, it's, it's it's such a good scene. He's great in that movie. But I got to tell you, the second half, not the first half, but the second half, a leap of faith. He does some good work in that movie. Like I, I think, wish the first, I wish the first half was even remotely as good. But the right. second half of that movie has some really good stuff in it, and his acting's really good. I think another underrated movie is House Sitter with him and Goldie Hawn. I laughed a lot in that movie. Um, yeah, and. Uh, he does drama well too. He's in Grand Canyon. He does drama well too. Uh, and we'd go, we'd be remiss if maybe the funniest movie he ever made wasn't brought up, and that's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Let's yeah, face it, of course. bar yep. none, as funny as movies you're ever going to see. Jennifer Lawrence, Chuck, who um is 32 years old. Some might consider her career maybe the most overrated career of all time. It's sort of, it's sort of like what is she in terms of acting? I mean, I know she's uh she had a baby, right? Yeah, she just um, did that Don't Look Up on Netflix last year, which she was very yeah. good in actually. Well I listen, I I thought that movie Joy, I thought she was really good. Yeah. I, it was an interesting movie, good movie. She her performance was really good. Uh let's I face it movie. though, Chuck. I, I actually like that movie Passengers where her and uh Chris yeah. Pratt. I like it. Well, let's and face then, it though, Silver Linings playbook is Dynamite. That's a ten out of ten movie too, and her and Bradley Cooper's performances are top notch stuff. I mean, yeah. the Hunger Games are all good. I mean, and I mm-hmm. and I enjoyed Mother. I thought Mother was a very underrated, very movie. very not not for the uh, not not for the mainstream crowd, but a very interesting movie. Yes, indeed. very interesting movie. But yeah, as far as mainstream uh, movies uh, that she, that's not like she's putting out a movie all the time. No, I think she became part of America's pop culture. And if you are like I, I was watching. An interview on YouTube. It was a, a, a. I don't know if it was how old it was. But her and Howard Stern on the Stern show. She's a really interesting uh, person. Yeah, she's you know, very, very yeah. like her mind. She's obviously intelligent. She's interesting, and she's very blunt. Like yeah. there's no filter when she yeah. starts speaking. There's just no filter, and that's what makes her interesting. And X fan X Men fans know her as Raven too. And plus, yeah. Kat, I mean, Katniss made her a star. The Hunger Games. Of course, movies. of course, yeah. it did. Last but not least, Chuck, Ben Affleck celebrating a birthday this weekend where he'll turn the big 5-0 for Ben Affleck, the recently married Ben Affleck, the settled down Ben Affleck, Chuck, at 50. He's, How about he's that? He's younger than J-Lo. Yeah. yeah, he's young, much younger, a couple of years. Yeah, I think he's it's got yeah, a 82. He's got 82 movies to his credit. To me, the, the quintessential great acting is the way back. And I know you yes, and I, I are agree. big fans yeah, of that. And I, because I watched, you know, again, you're going to say, hey, here, here we go again, but 
I like I watch that movie when there's not a crowd on my smoothie shop because it's hard art, it's cursing. But I I bought that actually on Amazon Prime, so I own it. Yeah. Um, I love that movie, and I love his performance. It's that is that is to me when I say Ben Affleck, that's Ben Affleck. Now, here's what's interesting about Ben Affleck: it appears that that this new regime at Warner Brothers DC is fully embracing him back as he's going to be Batman again. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be Batman, and he's going to be. I have a feeling. They want to do. They understand that this guy is uh, well connected in the industry. They probably want to do business with him as a director. I got a feeling he's going to be Batman and ultimately direct a Batman movie. And I, I will say this too: for all the crap that he got with Armageddon and early in his career, and just he really got mocked a lot. Or, he did. He did. He, but movies roughly. like, I mean, you watch movies like Changing Lanes, mm-hmm. um, uh, even stuff like uh, State of Play. The company men, just a good and, adult and listen, dramas. His, perform- his his performance as Bruce Wayne, Batman, and, and Superman v Batman is really good. Yeah. Like I, I like him a lot actually as Batman. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Justice League stuff because I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Batman in that universe with other superheroes. But Batman in Gotham City, Ben Affleck is good, and that warehouse sequence to me is the best fight sequence of all time in a Batman movie with Batman. And the guy can clearly direct to Argo's yeah. great. The town is yeah. great. The, yeah. I mean, uh, the, 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 he's he's underrated in some way. Been around right, a Chuck? long time. He knows the industry, yeah. and uh, he, he's he's a talent. There's no and we doubt. didn't even mention Goodwill Hunting, which got it all started really for yeah. those two mm-hmm. guys way back when. All right, Chuck. Speaking of guys who basically maybe early in his career was also scoffed at as you know all looks, no brain, and um, and that's Brad Pitt, who you know an illustrious career just got capped off by a well-deserved Oscar and maybe his best performance of all time in 2021's uh, once upon a time in the West, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Um, He uh, he's been through a lot. He's 50, uh, three years. uh, I'm sorry, 59 years old now. Wow. And he looks great. He could play any age still. Um, and, and let's go back to his early years. I mean, he did a lot of TV stuff popping up and growing pains for a couple episodes and, yeah. and 21 jump street. He's, you know, he's done a lot of stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I remember for me, the first time he became a movie star is when he's plays the thief on the road and Thelma and Louise. Yeah. That, that and I think that's when he turned that, everybody. That elevated a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and he's, it's a good role for him. I, I love the scene with him and Harvey Keitel when Keitel's had enough with his act and just slaps him in the head with his hat and tells him these girls had a chance. If it wasn't for you, they had a chance. And mm-hmm. I thought he was he was more than a pretty face in that movie, Chuck. Oh, yeah, actually- but yeah, he was, no doubt. But, you know, that's that's always the dichotomy of, you know, young actor, good looking guy. You know, people always oh, a pretty boy, can't act, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you start showing, showing some acting chops. He learned his craft. Obviously, he knows the industry tremendously well. He's very, at this point, extremely well respected in the industry and well sought after by casting directors. He calls his own shots. But yeah, I mean that that is always a tough part uh, to to like to eradicate you from from that uh, that stigma. Well, he went from his washboard abs in that movie to get the cool, cool world rolled with the animated movie with Kim Basinger. He was the only. Uh, live action person in it uh, that movie tanked at the box office yeah. but and then he turned tough. around in a highly acclaimed robert redford film ensemble cast piece of a river runs through it chuck which yeah. is a good movie i think it's a little overpraised but it's a good movie about fly fishing and the uh, co-star of the movie was um uh, uh what's his name craig Sh- craig sheffer 
who who is a Strasburg native? I yes, he went to ESU actually. Uh, yes. believe it or not. Yep. That's that's as much as Chuck wants to talk about that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you remember California with a K? Played a a, a serial yeah, killer Julie, on the road. Julia Lewis. Yeah, an interesting movie. Not not for the faint of heart though. But I thought his turn as Dick's roommate Floyd in True Romance is a scene stealer. Chuck, couple yeah, scenes he great. has in that movie are dynamite. Agree. And his I, interaction. I love, I love that movie. His interaction with James Gandolfini when he shows up at the house is classic. Agree. Um, he would turn up as Lewis in a highly uh, uh, publicized role in Interview with a Vampire, a big time role for him because he big you time know, he, role opposite Tom Cruise. I listen. I'm not a big fan of the film, but uh, it was a big movie. Um, and people forget Christian Slater also in that film, and yeah. and of course Tom Cruise is the is the star. He would yeah. also co-star with Anthony Hopkins in Legends of the Fall. Chuck, this movie directed by Ed Zwick. I like time- that movie a lot, actually. A uh, big pine, big time period piece about the Ludlow family and um and Anthony Hopkins as the father. And you I, like- I, think it was, I think it was that movie where you really realize he's this guy can carry a film as a centerpiece. He can. And uh, maybe Aiden Quinn was his brother in that. Right. Yes. I, I know. Yep. Yeah. That, that was a decent movie. Great score he by was. James Horner. But 1995 is a big year for him, Chuck, and maybe two of his best movies uh, back to back seven and 12 monkeys both came out and he actually got an Oscar nomination for 12 monkeys. Uh, I like 12 monkeys a lot. It's a really interesting thought provoking science fiction film with a good cast led by uh, Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and he's really good in it. But uh, seven is, you know, has gone on to become an iconic movie uh, generationally. And that's not easy. That's easier said than done for an R rated material, but that movie was terrific. Not only R rated material, but dark, uh, yeah, horror. Very, this is a very. horror movie through and through a, an ending that mainstream Hollywood doesn't normally produce and yeah. a great performance by then couple too. remember um, him and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Um, but great chemistry with um, Morgan Freeman and Chuck. This is a near perfect movie. It's definitely a four out of four, 10 out of 10 uh, movie. And I would say maybe one of the best movies of the last 30 years. Um, and I'd have no problem walking away from that, saying it's at least okay. in the top 10. Okay. Um, in 96, he's part of the ensemble class uh, cast of Sleepers, Chuck, uh, which a uh, highly controversial film. I enjoyed it. Some people didn't like it um, for um, religious views more than anything yeah. else. But I think I this like is it. cool little courtroom drama about yeah. revenge. And uh, and I, I think the cast is really, really well done here. And he leads that cast along with Jason Patrick. Agree. Up next was The Devil's Own, a bit of a misfire as he plays an IRA agent on the lam in New York City with Harrison Ford taking him in. Chuck, this movie was ripe with a lot of rewrites and reshoots. I remember it being a very troubled production. Yeah, and, and it, with the buzz on it was troubled, and when it came out, it sort of landed with a thud. And then he would come back uh, after that with seven years in Tibet and meet Joe Black, where he seemed to be miscast in both movies, Chuck. Oh, I got to tell you, meet Joe Black for me is one of the slowest moving movies I've ever seen. I mean, not that he's not good in it. He's fine in it. But my God, that movie moves like watching paint dry. Yeah, neither neither one of those movies are really his fault. Like I said, they're just you're right. I mean, meet meet Joe Black. I remember seeing that on an airplane. And 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 that actress in that movie had a little bit of a run and then sort of disappeared. Claire Claire Fulania, right? She she was also in The Rock and a couple other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1999, another uh, classic to a lot of people. I loved it. 
Fight Club, Chuck. I mean, it, it's it? definitely for an acquired taste, and it's out there. But I'll tell you what, I think it hit the mark. Oh, I do too. I think I think it's a uh, very unique. It's fascinating with a with a twist ending that's head scratching. But that movie's very popular generationally uh, in that type genre. And another great David Fincher movie there too. And you know, back to back with Seven and Fight Club, they, they they really hit the mark on both of them. I thought he was hysterical in Snatch. Um, that's the Guy Ritchie movie that right. uh, he you barely recognize what he's saying. Big yeah. pairing up in two thousand one with two co stars here. Um, both a little bit of a misfire. Now, I thought the Mexican was actually a decent movie with him and Julia Roberts. A lot of people really came down hard on that film. Um, Gore Verbinski was the director. Didn't make a lot of money, Chuck. But I didn't think the Mexican was as bad as some people made it out to be. I I I only watch bits and pieces on cable because I I mean the buzz on that film was was so bad and it really did crash and burn hard from its opening we get done. Gandolfini's good in that too, and then he did Spy Game that same year with uh with the, the iconic Robert Redford, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Although they don't share any scenes together, right? I mean, they're not a lot of scenes together. Um. I just remember it just being kind of a blah, nothing great about it. Me too. Um, he's on Friends, that one episode of Friends that yeah, yeah. he's very funny. He was dating yeah. uh, Jennifer Aniston at the time. Yeah. Very funny on that show. Um, and then he turned around and started doing the Ocean's Eleven movies, which he plays Rusty in it. And I, I'm a big fan of the trilogy, Chuck. The second movie is a bit of a, a blah, but the first and third movies are really good. And talk about chemistry. He has it with everybody's in the scene with, including yeah. George Clooney. I, I agree. There's good chemistry in those films. Um, and, you know, I always like that kind of um, the caper kind of film. What would you think of Troy, Chuck? Oliver Stone, uh, obviously Achilles, he plays in that film. A little Not over. Not Oliver Stone. That, that's a... Um... That's a uh, oh, Rid- was that really Scott? No, Wolfgang, no, Wolfgang Peterson, Peterson, right? Yeah, I gotta tell you, I like that movie. I remember seeing it in the theater, I liked it. I thought he was really good. Uh, he played opposite Eric Bana. Eric uh, Bana, that's right. Yeah, I, I thought they had some big, big set pieces. I like that movie a lot, actually. Uh, he would follow it up with Ocean's 12, and uh, then he would co star with another uh, one of his uh, uh, well, future wife, I suppose, at the time, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, yeah which you and I both enjoy, although it, it, it does have its problems, Chuck. It's still a good action movie. I like it. I mean, <laughs> when you watch that movie and understand the history of it, you know, their meeting and uh, very interesting. But it was, it's a good movie. Doug Lehman was the uh, director of that, obviously. He would do Babel 2, which nobody went to see, and then Ocean's 13 and the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Um, I liked him. I thought he was funny in the Joel and Ethan Cohen movie, Burn After Reading. He's good in that. And then an interesting movie comes along, Chuck, in 2008. A lot of buzz behind it. A lot of pre-Oscar buzz for David Fincher. He did get nominated. The, the movie won three Oscars. But to a lot of people, the curious case of Benjamin Button is a curious movie, Chuck. It's also very slow. Moving. It's just a very, I mean, it's interesting, but it's just one, one, the length of that movie is way too long. Way too long, Fincher. And it's yeah. Too slow. It's too slow. It is interesting, though. And he's good in it. He's good in it. He's, van- he's fantastic in it. But yeah. you're right. Yeah. It, he's probably better than the movie is. And then I would yeah, say his yeah. next movie is one of his best movies and maybe in his top five. He plays Aldo Rain in Inglorious Bastards. Chuck, I love this movie. And yeah, I, think- I, I love most of it. Uh, the middle act uh, is suspect for me, but he's super good in this movie. He's extremely comfortable having, uh, he's having a, he's very comfortable in that character and that really elevates oh. that movie. Uh, and Christoph Wallace obviously is awesome. 
what a scene. Oh, what a scene to start with Christoph Waltz. I mean, it, it just, and, and I love how he does like, again, in once upon a time in Hollywood, I love how Tarantino turns history on its head and, yeah. and really nails it to me. Um, and then another one of, I mean, we talk about seven, 12 monkeys, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, you, you know, fight club. I mean, these are great movies, Chuck. Here, there's, another and, and, one, there's another one coming up that I it's think. It's right here, and it's right here, and it's Moneyball. Yes. You, you talk about a guy in completely in control of a movie. This is him, and this is a perfect, it, perfect but here's performance. The thing. In, in this movie, Mike, I think this is where he's playing the, the most real person he's playing. Is this a real person? And and he, and he is very grounded, and he's very comfortable in the character. It's a fascinating character. If you like baseball, it's a fascinating movie. And uh, he owns this movie, Brad Pitt. And, oh, it's and so good. He, he is. Jonah Hill is really good. I mean, you could tell you could tell that the actors in this movie are very, very comfortable in this. They, it, they get the best. The, the director got the best out of these actors. He sure did. And it's a great script. And it's a yeah. really a, a, upon per further review. And we've talked about it, 2011. It might have been the best movie of the year too. looking back at that year in 2013. Talk about troubled productions, Chuck. I am actually a fan of World War Z. I know producers and, and Pete and fans wanted more out of this film, considering it's it, what it's based on and what it should have been doing. There should have been probably four more movies already with World War Z. But this movie had a lot of problems post-production. I think it's pretty good for a zombie thriller action movie, although I know I like, a lot of people don't I, like it. I, I, I like him in it, but I just this is a complete misfire. And and where's Matthew Fox? Uh, the, yeah, it's trouble. Know. It's a big yeah, trouble. I, mean, yeah. I just don't think it's enough. And, and, and there's too much CGI in this film. Uh, but he is good. He was a good choice as the lead. It should have been much better. And I, I think you're right. The CGI is. I think the back half of that movie really works for me when they're trying to get the the vaccine and and yeah. and, and the cure. And I think that part of the movie is is very very well done. Um, he'd follow that up with Twelve Years a Slave. He actually won an Oscar because he's a producer of that film, Chuck. That won yeah. Best Picture that year. He's got a small role in it. Um, I, I think that movie's overpraised, but it, obviously it's an important movie. Um. Yeah. He would also do a movie called um, Fury, Chuck, about uh, a tank in World good War II. Movie. Yeah, good movie. You good like that tank. one? I did. Yeah, it's good. Um, David Ayers directed it. He's also part of the ensemble cast of uh, The Big Short, which is a great movie done yes. you know, by Adam McKay. I think that's a very fun movie to watch. Um, and I think Allied is bringing teams up with uh, his his wife again. World War II movie. uh not his wife, Marion, Marion Collard, um, yeah, yeah. Collard. And I think that's a real good movie, too, that not a lot of people saw. No. Um, and uh, after that, he does have a uh, the role as Vanisher in Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Um, Ad Astra is an interesting movie, Chuck, that came out the same year as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, action scene on the moon was fun to watch, but the movie kind of just malaise. It's just yeah. nothing ever really happens in the movie although great special effects and i i guess i didn't see it and i know you did he does have a funny cameo or two a couple scenes in the lost city it seems like him and sandra bullock made a de deal you show up in my movie i'll pop up in yours and and, and we'll do a couple of scenes together right uh a hundred percent and, and they, they they both helped each of those movies there's no doubt um well looking back chuck mm -hmm. I mean, the guys had an unbelievable career. He had a good career. Very solid. He's had some big winners. Moneyball would be my uh, my favorite because I just think he's playing a real person. And, it, and it's just, I love that film. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue that. To, although I, I mean, Seven is just such a complete yeah, I mean, film. He, he's made a handful of really like great ones. He's got Babylon coming up uh, with Margot Robbie, the Damien Chazelle movie. That's his next on his well, list. You think about this. He's worked with the biggest talent in the industry. I mean, he's 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 learned the industry. He's extremely well respected, and he's getting thirty million dollar paycheck. So his life's yeah. pretty good. You know, another reason I respect him too, Chuck. He's never had to fall back on a franchise, right? No, he's never had terrible. to do any superhero crap or anything. I, I mean, you can count Ocean's Eleven as a franchise, I guess, but never, I mean, I'm right, talking never really sold out. Yeah, he's never had to do any of that stuff, and he's always produced produced original character after original I character. Great. Um, so that's Brad Pitt. So we wish him more well. A bullet Train seems to be doing well for him too. Is and Chuck, his career is. He's in his wheelhouse, but let's face, you know, we didn't talk about it much, you know, Moneyball fits him perfectly, but his, his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I mean, it's really good. That makes that movie a, a three-star movie, turns it into almost a four-star movie, just well, based on this, because you don't know about the revisionist history till you watch the movie, but that scene when the Manson family clan breaks into his house at the end, oh, I mean, <clears> you're like on eggshells. It is great stuff. And that this... is great. Stuff. I like, I like that. That might be my favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah, it's really good. I haven't watched. I got to watch that again. But when he, you know, does the to his dog at that end there, yeah, I mean, well, I was cheering in the theater when that happened. It was so good. And yeah. he owned, you know, T- DiCaprio's great in Tarantino movie, but he basically owns that movie. Pit. I agree with that. Listen, he, when he's comfortable on, in a character, he's extremely comfortable in the character. And it just transport you. You're sucked into the character of the movie. You don't think you're watching a movie. That's good acting. Yep. All right, Chuck, we will do this all over again next time, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, Mike. To the audience, thank you very much for listening. I just want to say happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.